Hey, my friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. This is season four, episode 15, and I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. Today's episode, we have a guy named Grant Baldwin. He started out in church ministry world. He was a youth pastor, but he's the creator of the Speaker Lab. He actually teaches speakers how to consistently find and book paid speaking gigs. So if you are interested in being a speaker or you want to grow in your speaking professionally, you're going to love this episode. Hey, join the Digital Church Facebook group if you haven't yet. I've been talking about it all season and I'm pumped about it. Facebook.com slash groups slash Word Made Digital or just search Digital Church in your, uh, you know, in your Facebook and you're going to find us. Basically, it's a group of we're five or six hundred people now and the group is Christian leaders and influencers and just people who are interested in talking about what church ministry discipleship evangelism looks like in this digital age that we live in and we're helping each other we're sharing ideas we're sharing best practices and we're building a community we'd love you to join thanks so much to compassion as a partner in uh, this season of the podcast i love compassion so much and they're partnering with the church around the world who are working tirelessly to provide support to children and to families who are impacted by the pandemic a pandemic like COVID-19, this pandemic is just adding so many more challenges, right, to the already uh, impoverished situation of some people. So it's just equaling a disaster for some people. But um, things that are being overwhelmed, the systems of health and resource and economy that are being overwhelmed in low resource settings are where Compassion works. And it's where they serve with the local church to impact people in these communities. So uh, if you want to get involved in what's going on today with Compassion, we'd love you to consider it. We'd love you to do it. Partner with us, compassion.ca slash COVID to give today, to see if you can get involved in something really practical. We've all been impacted by the pandemic and how much more so in places that aren't resourced the way we are. So compassion.ca slash COVID. Wycliffe College as well, launching into a new fall term. I just today got a message from someone who said they are starting their master's at uh, Wycliffe, and I'm so pumped about it. Uh, There's just one more on the list of people like you who are listening and studying at Wycliffe. It's a seminary located at the University of Toronto. You can get a certificate, a master's, a doctoral degree, Maybe you want to just take a course, but it's conjoint with the University of Toronto, so you're getting a degree from one of the top universities in the entire world, and it's also super affordable. If you're Canadian, it's just $600 a course, so you should consider it. It's flexible. You can do a bunch of stuff online these days, as so much has gone online. They were doing online before, but now they've leveled up their online content and uh, you can learn. Go to wickliffecollege.ca slash wordmadedigital to find out more. Okay, now here's my conversation all about speaking and how to make money as a speaker with Grant Baldwin. Welcome to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. You're listening to season four, sponsored by Compassion Canada and Wycliffe College. Word Made Digital brings you interviews with Christian creatives and communicators to inspire, challenge, and equip you in your own work. The church has the best news in the world, so we want to help you be the best communicators in the world. Here we go. Grant Baldwin, thank you so much for joining Word Made Digital today. Thanks. I appreciate you letting me be here. 
I am. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you because I, before I had the opportunity to interview you here, I actually, I discovered you through Facebook ads. <laughs> I found, um, some okay. of the content that you offer, um, you know, through, I guess you were, your team was targeting me and I found you and went rabbit trailing down a lot of other content you have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you today about what you do. We've got, uh, we definitely have, we run a few Facebook ads, so uh, uh, sometimes they can be effective, but uh, hopefully, hopefully they were in this case. <laughs> hey, yeah, it worked for me. So before we go too much farther, Grant, can you tell us who are you, what's the context in which you work? Yeah, so the nutshell is I run a training company called The Speaker Lab, where we teach people how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So if we go way back in time, um, in high school, I was really involved in my local church, and my youth pastor had a really big impact on my life. Uh, and that that what he was doing for me really resonated. I was like, I want to do that. That seems cool. And um, so that's kind of the path I was on. I went to Bible college and then worked at a, um, a, a different local church. Uh, as a youth pastor, and that naturally gave me a lot of at-bats. It gave me a lot of opportunities to speak, and speaking was one of those things I really enjoyed. I felt like I, I was good at I wanted to do more of, uh, but I just had no idea, like, where do you go from there? Like, how do you find gigs, and who hires yeah. speakers, and, like, how does this world work? And so I uh, started stalking a bunch of speakers and figured out a few things along the way of what, what worked and what didn't, and eventually booked a few gigs and um, uh, rolled that into more gigs and more gigs, and eventually got to the point where I was doing about 60 or 70 speaking gigs a year, uh, and then had a lot of people who were asking me like, Hey, I want to be a speaker. How would I go about doing that? Uh, and so started, um, uh, teaching and, and training uh, others how to do that. You know, those who, uh, you know, maybe listening who say, I want, I want to speak 60, 70 times a year, but I just don't know where to begin. Or, or those who say, I don't, you know, I don't have any desire to do that many gigs, but I wouldn't mind doing, I don't know, you know, five gigs a year or a couple here and there. And I enjoy speaking, but it's not the primary thing I want to do. I just don't know again, how do you find gigs and who hires speakers and how does this world work? And so, uh, so that's the core of what we do today. And that's the core of what we teach is, is, is book speaks. Yeah, it's 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 the classic thing, and and so much is the business side of the thing you love to do. Yes, um, you know it's the same thing. You know, if I've if I, on on this podcast we've talked to someone who it's a different thing, but like an artist. <laughs> so mm. you're you're a very skilled and talented artist, and yet that's very different than finding a market to sell your work or your yes. skill in such a way that you could make a living or, or even supplement your income by doing, by doing the thing you love. So yeah, it's, you, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it reminds me, um, there's a book called E-Myth by Michael Gerber and he talks about, he uses the illustration of, um, of a bakery. And the idea being that, um, there's, it's a different, being able to like bake bread, for example, is a different skill set than being able to run a bakery. And yes. so there are a lot of people who love baking bread, who love creating art, who love speaking, who love making music, who love doing the art side of what it is that they do. But you also have to understand that you're running a bakery a business. And so I love being on stage. I love speaking. There's a lot of people who come to us who enjoy the being speakers, but they also have to realize like just like getting on stage, speaking, baking the bread, making the music, creating the art is just one side of the equation. If you don't pay attention to the business side, if you don't pay attention to actually running the bakery, then no longer do you get to bake the bread. No longer do you get to keep making the art because you're out of business, right? So you have to recognize both sides of it. And so we definitely lean more on the, uh, the business side, the bakery side than the art side. Um, because we absolutely, you know, like your best marketing is a great talk and, and, and a great product. Uh, 
Uh, and so we help with that. But the core of what we do is, is on the business side of understanding how I have a message that I want to share and how do I go about sharing that more than, you know, I, I just click my heels together and I sit back and I wait for the phone to ring or an email to come in or an inquiry to happen. Like those things may happen from time to time, but it's not a sustainable way to build a business. And so what we want to teach is how you build like a long-term predictable way to be able to find a speaking gigs. And so, yeah, I mean, where did this come from for you? Where did you get the the MBA in being a successful speaker? <laughs> I mean, because I because yeah. you said you you started following some other speakers around, and I'm curious, even you know, what era of that, what era of time that was? Because now you can find people on the internet to admire and follow, but how did you find these people yeah. and learn from them? Yeah. So, um, so for me, this was probably 13, 14 years ago or so where, uh, podcasts were less of a thing. You know, there were a few blog posts, but nothing really about, um, how do you find a book speaking gigs? And again, there's a bunch of, of, of speakers that were out there. Um, but not necessarily anybody that was teaching or training, you know, how do you go about doing this? And so, uh, part of what I, I feel like we try to do today. So we, you know, we have a podcast, we have different coaching programs, we have the new book and we have a variety of different resources and, and Part of it is, I think, through the lens of like, what do I wish I had when I got started? You know, it felt like um, one of the last we use a lot is like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Meaning, I felt like I was a decent speaker. I knew I wasn't the world's best speaker by any means, but um, you know, having come up in the church, I had a lot of opportunities to speak. I had a lot of reps. I felt like I was decent, and again, just wanted to do more. I just, I just needed someone, and I'll execute on it. I'll follow through. I just need someone to tell me what to do, uh, yeah. because for so many, speaking feels like this this mysterious black box, you know, that you have to have a, a you know, a best-selling book, or you have to have conquered cancer, or you have to have some life-changing experience in order to be a speaker, in order to be qualified to speaker. And that's just not the case. Like, that's not true at all. Um, like, I'm I'm a, a, a white male from a middle-class family in the Midwest who's had a pretty normal life. Like, there's nothing on paper that would qualify me to be a speaker. Like, I've never had cancer. I've never really been sick. I've never broken a bone. I've never climbed Mount Everest. I've never landed a plane on a body of water like there's i've never won a gold medal <laughs> or like i'm pretty boring dude but that doesn't disqualify me from being a speaker uh, and so the same thing for others who may um you know have a message that they want to share and are just trying to figure out what do what do i need to do what are the steps i need to take to go about doing that yeah well and that's it it's this classic thing i think for a lot of people who are starting out they have a passion or they can identify and other people have identified maybe that they are a strong communicator, but how do you help people? How do people find, um, the thing that they want to talk about? And maybe actually the, the, the more important question as I'm asking that is, do you have to have a thing that you talk about or can you talk or is, can you be successful as a speaker and talk about everything under the sun? No, you definitely do not want to do that. Um, so uh, let me do this. Uh, and so inside this new book that we have, The Successful Speaker, we talk through a five-step process, a five-step framework that teaches people how do you find a book gig. Yeah, I know. I don't know if people can see it, but we've, you've got the book right there. Yeah, and I, of course so we're going to link to it. We'll talk we'll through let, that. It's, people will find it. Cool. 
Uh, and so it's a five-step process that makes the acronym speak, S-P-E-A-K. And so the first step of the process is the S, the select a problem to solve. Select a problem to solve. So let's, I'll put a pin in that. I'll come back to that. Let me give you the rest of them, and we'll come back on the S. Uh, the P is prepare your talk. Prepare your talk. So this is where we talk through um, different types of presentations. How do you create a talk? How do you use humor? How do you uh, um, uh, use slides and transitions and tell stories? And how do you interact and engage with an audience? The E is establishing yourself as the expert. So this comes down to two key marketing tools that every speaker needs. You need a website and you need a demo video. Uh, the fourth part of the process is the A, the acquire paid speaking gigs. Acquire paid speaking gigs. So th this is so much more than just, uh, you know, I want to be a speaker and so now I, um, you know, I have a website and a video and now I just hope people magically find me. Like that doesn't work. So you, again, you have to have a, a, a process, a system to be able to consistently find a book gig. And then the last part of the process, the K, no to scale, know when to scale. Meaning there's a lot of people who are interested in speaking who are also interested in writing a book or doing a course or coaching or consulting or doing a podcast or doing a, a, a blog or doing any number of things. And you can do all the things. You just can't do all the things at once. Some things are going to come first. Something's going to come last. So you have to be clear and specific in terms of figuring out how does speaking fit into the mix of what it is that you want to do. So mm -hmm. that's the big picture framework. Let me come back to the original part, the S, the select a problem to solve. Because, um, this is the most important part of the process. This is the part where a lot of us want to skip past. Uh, but if you get this part right, then this is, again, so foundational because it makes the rest of the process much simpler. Okay. So, yes, yeah, select a problem to solve really comes down to two key things. Who do you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Who do you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Now, um, most of us, because we enjoy speaking, speaking is one of the things that's fun, we uh, resonate with, it's just something we have a message that we want to share. We want to share this and and why possible. If we were to ask you, like you speak to, uh, a lot of times people are like, well, I, I speak to people. I speak to humans. You know, my message is for everyone, right? It's for, if it's for everyone, it's really for no one. Uh, and, and same thing on the on the other side of the equation. So if someone were to ask, you know, what what's the problem that you solve for that audience? Well, what do you want me to speak about? You know, I can speak about faith or I can speak about leadership. I could speak about sales or parenting or marriage or family or, or uh, the Bible or like on and on and on and on the list goes. And even if you know something about all those topics, even if you're passionate about all those topics, you cannot try to position yourself as an expert on all of those topics. So uh, a way to think about this that we talk about in the book is that you want to be a steakhouse and not a buffet, a steakhouse and not a buffet. And what we mean by that is, uh, Joanna, if we were going to go grab steak for, uh, for a meal, like we have a choice, like we could go to uh, a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer, or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really, really well. They're not, not trying to do lasagna. They're not trying to do tacos. They're not going to do cupcakes. They do steak and that is it. Uh, and so again, it's counterintuitive because we feel like, well, if you do a buffet, all those different things that you offer, um, uh, it's going to appeal to a, a much broader group of people. But nobody's going to a buffet because they have good food. They go there because it's just kind of a smorgasbord of mediocre stuff, right? And you do not want to be that as a speaker. You do not want to be that as an entrepreneur. You want to solve one specific problem for one specific uh, or a group. And so, again, we understand this when it comes to, to food or other areas of life. So I'll give you another example. Let's imagine, God forbid, that you needed um, you needed to have brain surgery, right? You have a choice. You could go to a um, a brain surgeon where that's all they do. Day in and day <laughs> out, they do brain surgery. Yes. Or you could go to, like, your local family medical doctor, you know, your primary care physician. And, uh, like, they went to medical school. They are a doctor. They have probably done surgery a time or two. Maybe they've never done brain surgery, though. So they're like, I don't know. I 
I could probably figure it out. Like I just, I don't want that person cutting me open. You know, I want the person that day in and day out, this is the only thing that they do that they are the best at this versus trying to be all things for all people, which again is counterintuitive because we feel like as speakers, we have to spread the net as far and wide as possible. The more people I speak to, the more opportunities I have, the more topics I can talk about, the more events I might get, but that's not what people are looking for. What you need to do is you need to solve one specific problem for one specific audience. And, um, so how do people find that? Because, I mean, because if you don't like, if it's, I have a story of cancer surviving or, you know, I've climbed Everest, I mean that, then the story becomes obvious. But I think for a lot of us, it's like, well, you know, you know, I love the Bible or I love young people or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, uh, but, or I like business, but what, how do you, how do you shake that out? Because then it feels like you have to let something else die or you have to Mm -hmm. like give up something else. So how do you find the thing? Yeah. Well, one thing I would say is, is there's definitely, there's an overlap between what you are interested in, what you are passionate about and what people actually pay speakers to talk about. So let me give an example. There's a speaker that we were working with uh, a while back and he came to me and said, I am, um, he had, if I remember correctly, he was really passionate about, uh, weight loss and health and came from a faith-based, uh, church background. And he said, I want to speak in churches about, um, losing weight and about health. Right. And so I, I said, okay, let's think about this. Um, if you were to go to any pastor in America, uh, or the U S or the world or wherever, and you were to ask them is, uh, is it important to you that the members of your congregate congregation, the members of your church be healthy human beings? Of course, every one of them would say like, absolutely. I want that. But are they hiring speakers to come in and talk about that to their congregation and in their churches? Probably not, right? right? Do um do pastors, do churches hire speakers to come in and talk? Sure, but they typically don't come in and talk about weight loss or health or nutrition, right? They think it's important. It's just not something that they're actually hiring speakers to talk about. So again, understand that there's that passion about something doesn't necessarily mean that organizations and groups are actually hiring speakers to come in and talk about that. So um So having said that, whenever you're trying to make some of those decisions to narrow it down, you're exactly right. You are making some trade-offs. You're saying, I'm choosing this, and uh, because of that, I'm not choosing that, right? Even though you may be interested in that, right? Um, Which is difficult, right? Because again, the more you say, but, 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 but I could also, I I, I could all, like, then you start, again, you become the buffet, but I can also do these things. So again, let's go back to the steakhouse, (laughs) you know, the, 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 the chef of a steakhouse could probably do a good job making a burger, and they could probably make good tacos and they could probably figure out how to make pie and they could probably make a fill in the blank of all the other things. Right. But they've made a conscious choice to say, I'm only going to do X. Right. I'm only going to do this one thing. So, for example, I'll give you um, for our company. We, we uh, work with speakers. Our company is called the Speaker Lab. And I had um, had someone message me the other day and said, uh, hey, you should, you know something about publishing and you know something about books. Like you should you should create the author lab, right? You should help authors. And and I was like, and part of you is like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, those who are interested in speaking are also probably interested in writing a book. So yeah, there's an easily justifiable reason to create something like the author lab or try to help authors. But I also recognize that if we start that or we start to like, oh, we help speakers and we also do a lot to help authors, then again, it starts to become slightly watered down of what it is that we're doing. Because now all of a sudden our focus Focus is split on a couple of different audiences versus saying, nope, we do this one specific thing for this one specific audience. So to your question, how do you figure out what that thing is for you? One of the things that you want to do 
is uh, do a little bit of brainstorming and figure out what are the areas that you're passionate about? What are the areas that you're knowledgeable about? What are the areas that you have experience in? So I'll give you an example. Um, I remember talking with a, a speaker who came to us and said, hey, I, you know, I want to be a speaker. I've done a little bit of speaking. I'm trying to figure out you know, who my market is, figure out what I might do. And so it's like, tell me about your background. Tell me about what you the past. And I remember him saying, um, he'd been a realtor for like 30 years. Uh, and I was like, let's start there. Like, that's a world that you already know. Uh, that's some low hanging fruit for you. Uh, and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm interested in maybe doing something different. I was like, that's fine. You can do something different at some point, but let's start with, with realtors because that's a world you already know. That's low hanging fruit for you. You don't, you already know who the different events, you know, who some of the, the industry people are, you know, the lingo, like, you know, that world already versus trying to say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm passionate about, uh, a passion about restaurants. So I'm going to learn a bunch about restaurants. I don't know anything about at the moment. I was like, no, no, let's just start with what you already know. Yeah. Because here's what, what's important to know. And this is where I think people get hung up is you're not making a permanent decision here. You're not getting a tattoo. Okay, what we're asking you to do is to pick a starting point. And so if you say, okay, I'm, I come from a real estate background, so good, let's start there. But it doesn't mean you can only speak to real forever and ever and ever. At some point, you may choose to pivot and go a different direction. But at this point, we're trying to get some momentum. We're trying to get some traction. Uh, and it is much simpler to steer a car that is in motion than a car that is in park. If you have a car that is going one mile an hour, it is much simpler to steer that car and to pivot and to go a different direction than it is to steer that car if it's in park, not going anywhere. So what we want to try to do is to get you going, to pick something and to get going. And then if you decide, you know, six months or a year in, um, you know, I was planning on speaking on this, but I'm getting a lot of opportunities to speak over on that. Then good. Let's start. You could, if you want to start moving more that direction, that's fine. But just sitting on the sideline and just analyzing it and thinking it through and praying about it and yada yada yada. Like at some point, you have to take action. You have to actually do something about it. Right. And I mean, let's talk about that when we're talking when choosing a topic or trying to find um, you know the thing that you want to talk about when you're in a Christian space. Um, something you've been able to do with your own work is expand beyond just. Not, I don't think talking, talking at churches is amazing and it's for some people the thing that specifically they're supposed to do, but others have a sense that they'd like to do something beyond a church context or a Christian faith-based setting. Uh, And this is your story of you were able to, to translate what you knew in one place and move your, your specialty into something else. Uh, How did you do that yourself? How did you begin talking to other kinds of audiences? Uh, What would you say to other people about that? Yeah, that's a really great question. So uh, um, as a youth pastor, that was the world I already knew. And I knew of some other speakers who were doing a lot of speaking in the church market for specifically for youth. In fact, in college, when I was in college, I worked for a guy who was a full-time speaker in the uh, in the church space. And he did a lot. Uh, he did some like weekend services, but did a lot of youth camps, youth retreats, midweek services, that sort of thing. The world somewhat familiar with uh, and understood but uh, I also recognize um, that there was a lot of good opportunities speaking in uh, schools and student leadership conferences and events. Um, and so ultimately, I made a decision to go more that direction uh, instead of trying to market to both because um, – 
if you try to market to both, both meaning like the quote unquote secular side and the quote unquote faith based side, you make each side nervous, right? Because if I'm trying to market to a, a public school, for example, and I'm saying I'm a Christian speaker, I'm a faith based speaker, I'm a former youth pastor, and I'm playing that up, it makes schools a little bit nervous, right? Huh, um, right. And then on the other side of the equation, like what are you going to do when you get here? Are you going to yeah, do like yeah. a Billy Graham call? Right. You know, totally. come to Jesus. Which, understandably moment. so. Like it, it makes yeah. them nervous and uncomfortable. Uh, and the opposite is true. You know, if if you're saying, "Hey, I primarily speak in schools and I primarily speak um, at student leadership conferences," but let me come speak at your church, they're like, "Now nah, we're looking for more of a faith based." thing. We're looking for more of a, you know, a scriptural, biblical, uh, you know, approach to this type thing. Uh, and so you make both sides a little bit nervous. And so you have to, again, pick one side or the other to try to, to market to. Uh, and so I, I said, Hey, I want to speak, I want to speak at schools, even though I, I, uh, again, I came from a, a, a church background, I knew that um, there's a lot of opportunities to speak in schools. Um, I knew just purely from a financial perspective that uh, the uh, I knew of a couple. I knew a bunch of speakers in the faith-based world who were doing a ton of stuff and were just barely scraping by. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, uh, I'm I. Um, I want to make a difference in the world, but I also don't want to live in, in poverty, trying to, to spread a message. Um, and that we all have to eat and live indoors. And so I want to make sure that I, my first responsibility is taking care of my family. I want to make sure I do a good job with that. Um, and so I made a really a conscious decision that, um, uh, I, like I always consider myself, I, I didn't want to position myself as a Christian speaker as much as a speaker who happens to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so whenever on my, uh, on my website, like I was specifically trying to target, um, schools and student leadership conferences and events and still continuing to speak to youth, but just more in a quote unquote secular space. Um, and so a lot of times when I'd go to a school assembly or a student leadership event, uh, I would do, uh, like a version of a talk I would give in a church, but just without the scripture. Um, and so like on my website, um, like I mentioned, I went to Bible college and I mentioned that I was a youth pastor, but it wasn't something I was really trying to, I wasn't trying to hide from, but I also wasn't like really trying to play up. Like it was a big deal. Um, and so when, but at the same time, like I'd have a lot of, of groups, uh, schools that would, would hire me or, or organizations that would hire me. Uh, and then I'd come, I'd come speak and I'd do my normal talk, would never mention God or faith or Jesus or Bible or anything. Uh, and would have students or sometimes teachers who'd be like, Hey, were you a youth pastor? There's something different about you, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, and so it gave me a lot of opportunities to, you know, to, um, to help people in a secular setting that maybe I wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, I think you just have, you can be a faith-based person in a secular setting, you know, without having to, um, you know, stand on the mountaintop and, and say, no, I can only, if I'm going to be in the secular marketplace, I have to be megaphone guy preaching Jesus all the time. You don't have to do that, you know? And did you Uh, feel, were there, were there people in your your world who felt like that was kind of a sellout or did you feel that in yourself, like that guilt of, uh, (laughs) you know, if I leave the church space, I'm somehow not living my calling or something, you know, you know, this sort of stuff that can happen in church context. Yeah. A hundred, uh, totally. Um, and I don't know, uh, like I felt that internally a lot. Um, and I wrestled with that for a long time because, uh, again, like, um, I went to, I went to Bible college. Uh, I'd spent uh, four years of time, tens of thousands of dollars in resources. And here's the path that I'm on. And I'm a youth pastor for like a year and a half. And I was like, 
eh, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Um, and there's certainly like well-meaning people, well-intentioned people that are like, Hey, have you thought this through, you know? Um, and so I, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about it and praying about it and, um, ultimately felt good about this transition. I mean, even if we fast forward to today, um, I look at the the difference I've been able to make. Um, I'm still very actively involved in my church. Um, we have been able to. Uh, we've had a very successful business. And be, in fact, I'll, I'll give you a, just as an example. And this is not a pat on the back in any way, but just you know, as a one different way that we've been able to help is this past year um, was the best year financially our our family, our business, or our family has ever had. Uh, and so we were able to to give to our church. Um, more than what my salary was as a youth pastor years ago. So I, and again, that's not a pat on the back at all. I I just look at it as, um, I know with what we've been able to do that we've been able to contribute in significant ways. Um, so I still myself, I'm a Christian business owner and I have a lot of opportunities to help people in a lot of different ways. And, and some of that's financially and some of that's through, um, you know, with what we do with the speaker lab and with the book of helping people who may be saying, I want to speak in a church world, or I want to be a missionary who shares that. Awesome. If I can help you understand the business side of it and I can help you further your message, that's awesome. You know, and that's a, yeah. a tool that we've been given. Um, so when people ask me, you know, like, Hey, I come from a faith-based world and I'm trying to figure out, do I keep doing something in the faith-based world? It's like, you absolutely need to like, like, uh, pray about it and think about it and process it. And it's like, if God's tell, like someone told me the other day, like God's calling me to speak, um, what should I do? I was like, well, then my opinion is nothing. <laughs> like if God's calling you to speak, and if God's calling you to speak in a certain setting, then like, we don't need to have a conversation anymore because th- there's your answer, right? I can help you understand how to do that, what your next steps are. But if you're like, whether or not you should do it, like that's not my call at all. Uh-huh. Um, and so you yeah, difficult to follow journey, but, um, you know, I, I'm really happy with how it's played out. Yeah. I love that. I mean, and it's shaking out the, the division, I think too, of, of what I'm hearing is you don't see them as separate choices or, you know, you, you haven't, you're not a youth pastor anymore, but you're, you're the heart behind that was being someone who is impacting young people, um, using the skill set that you have, enjoying your life, providing for your family and, um, able to continue to, you know, ultimately live a life that's not in any contradiction to what the Lord would ask us to do with our lives in terms of generosity and service and community engagement yep. and, and, you know, all those kind of things. And I think that's a yeah. a big thing for a lot of people to, to, to shake out of if they're coming in a faith space, there's this sort of undertone of, um, and you know, that even the dialogue with youth pastors is the classic thing is most youth pastors only last about 18 months, some even less. And so it's this like, well, have they failed or have, have what has the church done to fail them? Like, or they just discovered that they're a young person who has a different career path. And that doesn't mean they don't love Jesus or doesn't mean they don't want to yes. be an active and meaningful member of their local church community or whatever. It's just that this yep. wasn't the role for them and that they can do it in a different way. Hundred percent, totally. Um, and I think that that because I like I, I remember um, you know part of the challenge with me was um, when I was you know thinking about leaving the, this local church that we were at as youth pastors and and thinking about doing the the speaking thing. Um, I had several friends from Bible college and buddies that I'd grown up with who were youth pastors at other churches or on staff at other churches, and so uh, spent a lot of time comparing notes with them. Um, and I found that a lot of them were 
pretty uh, miserable, frustrated in their roles as well. Um, and I was just like, is anybody happy <laughs> working in a church? Because work church, it can be, um, it can be really, really difficult. It is a, it, you know, I think sometimes people assume from, uh, from the weekend, like, oh, it just must be super glamorous and amazing. And, you know, you get to serve Jesus all day. You're paid to serve Jesus. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but there's a lot more to it that makes makes um, what goes on behind the curtain of how the sausage is made for a church like very messy and very difficult and very tough sometimes. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I uh, um, like again, I can only share what my own experience was, um, but I'm I feel very much um, fulfilled in what I'm doing today while still being able to you know serve and follow Jesus. Right. So. I mean, and, and part of this too, I think in the conversation is, you know, an honest view of, um, you know, finances. And so I would love to talk to you, uh, you know, when people are stepping out of a faith-based space, um, there's just, there's just less money in those spaces than there would be in some others. So, um, how do we find gigs that pay or, or maybe how do we find gigs that pay better than what we're current currently going after? Yeah. And again, some of this would come back to what we talked about originally on the selecting a problem to solve, you know? So like I, I made a conscious choice of, um, I want to continue to speak to youth, um, just in a different non-church environment. Um, and I would still like from time to time, I'd get invited to speak at a youth group or at a, you know, a, um, you know, a camp or a retreat or uh, a weekend service or something like that. And I did several of those. Um, but, um, you know, if I, if it was purely about money, then I wouldn't have kept speaking to students. Like I knew that I was a solid speaker. I knew I could put on a suit and go speak at a corporate audience and make significantly more, um, than I could make it at speaking at any high school or college. Um, so it was not just a, it was not purely about, um, okay, I want to be a speaker. So wh- which audience can I make the most money in, you know, right. which topic can I make the most money in, right? That's not, that's in the same. And that's that's true in any career, you know, speaking to a lot of students, you know, if a student's like, if I'd ask a student, what do you want to do with your life? What kind of career do you want to pursue? And they're like, I don't know, whichever one I can make the most, like, that's not going to last. Like, you're going to get miserable real fast, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I would rather make, I would rather, and I think most people are like, I'd rather make less, but love what I'm doing than make a whole bunch of money and just hate my life. You know, like, that's dumb. Um, So I would, I would, um, what I would I would tell people as they're thinking through like speaking opportunities is again, going back to the selecting a problem to solve. This is where, um, let's say for example, you're like, okay, I'm, I, I'm clear on who I want to speak to. I'm clear on what the problem is that are what, what I want to solve now. What one of the things that I would recommend that you do is just do some validating in the marketplace to figure out, are there opportunities that actually exist? So what I mean by that is one ex- exercise would be to, excuse me, to look for other speakers who are doing something similar that you want to do and doing it in a way that you want to do it. Okay. Mean by that is, um, uh, and look for speakers who are like a step or two ahead of you, not like light years ahead of you. So if you said, I want to be a motivational speaker. So who are some motivational speakers out there? Uh, all right. Tony Robbins is a motivational speaker. So, all right, if Tony's doing it, I can do it. Or if you said like, you know, uh, Billy Graham did all these crusades for years. So I'm, I'm just going to do that. It's like, well, Billy Graham and Tony Robbins are like in different leagues than you. So don't feel <laughs> like, like I'm just going to become a speaker and that's what I'm going to do overnight. Like it just doesn't work like that. Um, so give yourself like, be realistic here. Look for people who are like a, a step or two ahead of you, you know, um, 
And so if you're looking around, you're like, I can't find anyone who's doing this. That should be a red flag to you. Uh, and most people have an approach of like, nobody's doing this. Nobody's, nobody's speaking to churches about weight loss and health and nutrition. This is awesome. This is perfect. I'm going to be the first, but no, what you need to realize is if no one's doing it, there's a reason that no one's doing it. Uh, and so what you want to actually look for is people who are doing it, people who are successful, who are again, a step or two ahead of you. Uh, cause it shows like there are opportunities that exist in the marketplace um, versus like you trying to create a whole new marketplace that doesn't exist. Right. Well, I love that, that you're saying <laughs> it's in some ways counterintuitive. If nobody's doing it, that's a sign that you shouldn't do it either. <laughs> As opposed to saying yeah. that you're going to put a flag in the ground and be innovative in some way. Maybe, maybe later, would you suggest like if you've become more established, you could start to do some things that nobody's done or, or finds a niche that, that would be new. Or you, would you say even for a more established speaker, um, there are just things that that aren't people don't want to talk about? <laughs> yeah. So again, let's uh, let's go back to like the um, you know the the speaking on faith or speaking on like health and nutrition like within the church. You know, um, health and nutrition has been one of those things that's been important forever, and churches have been around forever. And yet, I don't see any time in the future that churches are going to be like consistently hiring speakers to come in and talk about that. Now, one of the things that we teach is what we'd call a Trojan horse method, where you are speaking on that topic, but you're putting it in different wrapping paper, right? And what we mean by that is, um, I'll give an example. When uh, when I was doing a lot of speaking in schools, uh, a topic that I was really passionate about was personal finance. Um, you know, my wife and I just paid off some debt, and and uh, we were like, man, that, I was like, this is important. Like, we gotta, I gotta teach students about this. This is a big deal. And so I started. Um, uh, uh, I, I put together basically some talks on personal finance for schools and for students, and uh, same sort of thing. Like with we were talking about with with uh, health and nutrition with churches. Like if you were to ask a hundred different principals is teaching students about money important? Like they'd all say, yes, of course it's important, but like nobody was hiring speakers to talk about that. But what I did find is a lot of schools were hiring speakers to talk about um, helping students make a transition from high school into college in the real world, right? So I put together a talk around that and started being hired to talk on that. And within that, one of the things that I was speaking on was, all right, students, as you make a transition from high school into college in the real world, one of the things you need to be aware of that helps you to make a smooth and successful transition is finances, right? And so I was able to still talk about it, but in a different kind of context. So it wasn't like a, a bait and switch um, of like, you wanted me to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about that. It was not that at all, but just saying like, all right, here's the the um, here's the, the solution I'm going to provide. And within that, we're going to talk about, you know, something else. Um uh, or talk as as an element of that. So um, so any speaker needs to be aware of that. That you can you it may just be you need to position it slightly differently than kind of how you're going about thinking about it. Well, I imagine too. What I'm hearing you say is you might even be able to hone new material by packaging it within something you're more comfortable talking about, so that it might develop into a talk of its own over time. But you're practicing it before you're selling it. <laughs> yes. As, no. Absolutely. Um, and again, some of this goes back to um, what what's happening in the market. What um, this moment, video when people may be listening to this in the future. But at this very moment, like the uh, the coronavirus is this popular, trendy thing that um, uh, I don't know if popular trendy is the right word, but it's it's uh, very Everyone's newsworthy at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And so if and I don't know, you know, who knows how long this is going to last. Hopefully it's going to it's going to fizzle out and not be that the end of the world like what people may think it is. Um, 
But let's say, for example, this is just let's just say there's just a bigger trend in healthcare, right? Um, that's going to just be around um, for years to come, right? Well, then there's probably going to be some opportunities there um, that probably didn't exist six months ago, you know. But now all of a sudden, it's higher on people's radar. It's something that people are more aware of. Um, this may lead to, you know, a lot of companies are allowing their their teams to work from home now, right? So this may this may bring up opportunities for uh, to speak at companies about remote work and how to manage and lead well teams um, there may be things that that have been some opportunities but not as much but until something really happens and you know the 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 um, market opportunities that create that are created that allow people to then talk about this thing um, you know that that can change what um, uh, what topics may be hired for. Yeah. Now I want to, in a few minutes, I'd like to get into that conversation around, um, the coronavirus specifically, just as a highlight of, um, some things about diversifying platforms. Like if people aren't, um, for a period of time, aren't going to be doing events like canceling events, what do we do? I'd like to talk about that in a second, but just to wrap up this idea about, um, you know, uh, offering something, trying to find these gigs, trying to find better gigs. Um, what do you think about the cold call or maybe the cold email? Um, what would you, you know, if people are trying to find more, you know, they, they speak a couple times a year, they'd like to do it more. Do you, do you recommend people just start randomly emailing out to organizations or how, how do you think they're more likely to get like a friendly response? Yeah. So uh, cold emails can work. Um, if you're going to do them, though, I'd give you a couple caveats here. One would be um, that you're really, really specific with who it is that you're reaching out to. So it's not just kind of this spray and pray uh, approach that you know, <laughs> if you said you wanted to speak to churches, you know, you can bind a database with thousands and thousands of, of email addresses for churches and you can copy and paste the same message to all of them. And you're probably not going to get much of a reply. So do a little bit of research and digging to figure out um, um you know, who you're reaching out to, why you're reaching out to them. Uh, one thing I would say would be to, um, uh, like all of us, everyone listening right now, we all get, you know, hundreds of emails on a daily basis or a whole bunch of emails on a daily basis. And so we know the difference between an email that was sent to us versus, uh, an email that was sent to us plus thousands of other people. Right. Uh, and so, so at the end of the day, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so you want to uh, put together an email that feels like, no, this is absolutely for me that they took some time to do some uh, digging on me. And now I'm going to, um, it makes me a lot more likely to want to reply. So that'd be one thing. The other thing I would say would be to make sure that you keep your email short and sweet. Like, um, you know, if, if, Put yourself in the shoes of, of the re, the recipient of that. If they get some, you know, if you got some 98 paragraph email unsolicited uh, and someone telling you about how great they are and here's my life story and here's a bunch of links and yada, 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 like nobody's going to read that. Like you're just going to delete it. Um, so keep your email short and sweet. The last thing I would say would be if you're going to send that email is to um, have a specific question. Give them a reason to reply. The mistake that I see some speakers make is they'll send some email like, hey, I'm a great speaker. You should have me come speak sometime. Here's some things I talk about. If you ever need a speaker, let me know. And like, that's right. it. You know, it's like there's nothing to reply to. There's nothing to there's no conversation that's been started. It's just kind of like I'm just waving hi to you and then I'm walking away um, versus, you know, asking a specific question that starts some type of conversation. Uh, I like to ask a question like, you know, do you mind me asking when you'll start reviewing speakers for your next event? Like that's a simple question for them to reply to, you know, um, 
And again, it's something that's easy for them to reply to that they, they can reply to within the, because uh, the easier you make something to reply to, the more likely they're, you're going to be to get a reply versus like when someone emails me and says, Hey, how do I become a speaker? It's like just kind of this big, heavy, meaty question. There's a lot to it, you know? So, well, um, buy my course. <laughs> yeah. Like what else buy you the course, to buy the book, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so there are, um, so for someone who's sending that type of email, just make sure that you keep it like short and sweet, um, that you personalize it, uh, and that you ask a specific question that, that gives a reason for them to reply. Yeah, that's really good. And so then let's, um, you know, I love that, that, that I think some people, it's, as you've said, they're just waiting for someone to reach out to them yeah. and they never actually tell anyone that they want to do the thing. And so, but, but as you yep. say, like when you're going to tell them you do the thing, make sure it becomes a conversation, not just a statement or a headline, um, you know, increase the dialogue. Okay. So, uh, we, he talked about the coronavirus, <laughs> um, you know, depending on when people listen to this, we don't know how the future is going to go, but we're recording in March, 2020. And, um, and right now things are looking a little crazy. Things feel like they're getting a bit out of hand with this. So, mm -hmm. and, and I'm seeing like South by Southwest, like major, major yeah, event, yeah. um, you know, has never been canceled and it's being canceled, you know, yep. lots of, you know, sporting events and all the rest things are, are being canceled. So can you talk to me about, um, what you're thinking, where your head's at with, um, digital platforms and diversifying your income so that if suddenly no one's hiring speakers, if that was the only thing you made money doing, you still would be able to pay your bills that month. What are you thinking about that? Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of thoughts. Um, is I remember early on a, uh, when I first started speaking, I remember a speaker friend telling me speaking is a very high paying manual labor job in mm. that we get paid really well to stand on stage and run our mouths. But uh, the nature of speaking is you have to go stand on that stage. You have to leave your family. You have to go to the airport. You have to get on a plane. You have to go stay in a hotel. You typically have to go somewhere else to do that. So what happens when those events aren't happening or there are you know, air uh, travel restrictions or just travel restrictions that make it problematic or events are being canceled? Um, or you get sick yourself, like not with corona, just in general. 100%. You lose your voice or something happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's a um, – uh, I remember a couple years ago a speaker friend of mine um, – uh, found out he had a, I think a brain tumor and ended up having to have surgery and today wow. is fine. He's totally healthy, totally good. But, um, for like a couple months, he couldn't travel. He couldn't speak. He couldn't drive. Uh, and so he, you're in, the, is dependent on you being there. And all of a sudden he can't be there. Um, and so that's absolutely something that made me, it made me a little bit nervous, you know, um, because I, I even remember a couple times where, um, uh, we were kind of starting a family when I was doing a lot of speaking and my wife was pregnant. Um, and I would have speaking gigs kind of around those, the date of, you know, the due date of when, uh, the child was supposed to be born. And you're kind of like, I can't just like take off for months at a time. Like this is how we pay our yeah. bills, but I also yeah. want to be there when my, when my daughter's born, you know, sort of thing. Um, so how, you know, how do you do this? So a couple thoughts. One is, um, kind of going back to the, the K part of our equation there of knowing when to scale, of uh, being clear of how speaking fits into your business and your business model. So for some people, 
um, speaking as a hundred percent of what, what it is that they do. There's, they're, um, good friends with several like, uh, really well paid, uh, professional speakers who, uh, do a whole bunch of gigs and speaking as 90, hundred percent of, of what they do. And they've lost a few gigs here and there. Um, uh, but they also recognize like, all right, big picture, this is probably going to blow over most likely, um, sooner rather than later. And we'll look back and it was be a, a blip on the radar. Um, I, I can speak for me firsthand. I remember this is probably 10, 12 years ago or so, um, uh, speaking at a conference in Dallas when, um, swine flu was a big thing. And it was, it was all this kind of hype around swine flu and it happened. <clears throat> it really started to take hold and, and create a lot of buzz, um, right around the time of this conference. And so they ended up postponing this conference by a month. Uh, and it was like a 6,000 person conference. They postponed it by a month and, and the attendance was cut in half. Only half the people were able to show up a month later. Um, so I know what it's like to have, you know, events that are affected by something else, but I also recognize like swine flu happened, you know, here's affected. Yeah. A bunch of people, but in the scheme of things, it, it's not it's not that big a deal. So I think a year from now, will events continue to happen? Will speakers continue to be continue to be hired? Will um, uh, audiences continue to gather at those events? Absolutely, a hundred percent, that will be happening. So long term, um, I don't think there's much. I don't think there's massive causes for concern. Uh, I think it is helpful for speakers to evaluate what kind of business that you want to be in. Um, and so for me, I enjoy speaking, but I really enjoy being an entrepreneur. So I enjoy the coaching, um, of what we do today. I enjoy the, um, you know, having the book and having a couple other things that don't depend on me traveling that don't depend on me personally delivering or being responsible for. Um, uh, I would also say that I'm seeing more and more speakers who are doing more virtual speaking. So, um, you know, like right now, you and I are recording this via Skype. We are in literally country and two different worlds, and yeah, we can still communicate. So uh, I've seen some speakers who are doing more of that. Uh, and even like aside from virus scares, um, the logistics, the cost of having people travel together from, you know, different parts of, of the country or the world for an event and all the logistics goes into it versus if, if everyone stayed where they were and, you know, you were able to present a presentation or a training or whatever, maybe via Skype or Zoom or whatever, or virtually, you know, that's certainly a, a possibility. Um, so there are certainly options. Um, and again, I think, uh, hopefully again, nobody knows what tomorrow holds, but in the scheme of things, um, that this will, this will not be a big deal, but, um, it is, it's a good wake up call for any entrepreneur of any type to just be aware of, you know, um, if this were to continue, um, how does this dramatically affect my, you know, my, my business and what are the things I need to be thinking through or aware of? Yeah. And of course for you, some of what this looks like in your life as you've developed, um, a whole course and content and curriculum coaching for speakers. Um, and you've just written this book, the successful speaker It's just coming out right now and we want people to get a hold of it, but tell us a little bit about what you offer in your company online for people just as sort of, we wrap up our conversation. So people, it's an example for others, but also they might yeah. want to, they might want to find this for themselves. 
Yeah, we have a, a bunch of different free resources. Um, so you certainly don't have to give us a dime. Uh, there are, uh, at this point, we have, I think, 270, 280 some podcast interviews, uh, or podcast uh, episodes that we have done uh, with a bunch of different speakers on all different speaking topics. We have a bunch of different blog posts, a bunch of different free tools and resources people can check out all over uh, at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. Um, you mentioned the new book. The book's called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building Your Platform, um, hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of work go into something that you can pick up for pretty good deal there. Uh, and then we also have some, you know, for people who want to go further or deeper, we do have some um, different online training programs, uh, some online, um, uh, some uh, coaching programs um, with myself and our team, some one-on-one and group coaching programs who are saying from people who are like, I'm serious about speaking and I just, I need help. Uh, I want to accelerate this. I want to get results quicker. Uh, Cause you can absolutely take the book and go through it. You can take everything we've talked about here. You can apply it. But uh, as you run into challenges or you have questions or you need to think, th- think something through, or you just need feedback, uh, that's what, uh, that's what we do inside of our, our different programs. So yeah, everything we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. And uh, this book, why did you, why the book now? I mean, you've been doing this for a while. So why was it like, you yeah. could have written a book a while ago. Uh, you didn't have to write a book because you had all this other stuff. So why did you want to write the book? Yeah. Yeah. So um, still today, um, people who write books on topics are viewed as authorities and experts. And so um, I had a good opportunity with um, this publisher and kind of uh, the, the Jeff Goins, who I worked with on the project, um, to work on this. So Jeff did a lot of the uh, the heavy lifting on the the writing part. Um, he said, but "Man, you have all this content, you have all this knowledge on speaking. Um, so what if we work together on this?" So it, I, I'm uh, the partnership with Jeff worked out really, really well to be able to do it now. Um, and also, I like that. Um, I think in this day and age, it's really easy, especially in the online world, for someone to just uh, anyone to put up an ad or to do a course or to like um, uh, print something out of just like, oh, yeah, I did this. I spoke three times. And so now I'm the expert. It's like, yeah, versus like I know I've been in this. I've been in the speaking industry for 13 years. I've spoken at hundreds and hundreds of gigs. Um yeah. And really have a lot of boots on the ground knowledge versus like, you know, I learned a couple of things over the weekend. And now, uh, now I think I'm the world's greatest expert on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think true. some of it's, it was just like, yeah, it's, it's, it is hard to differentiate today between, you know, if everyone can throw out content of, of experience to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's this idea that everyone can throw out content on the internet now, but yeah. you actually are an expert at it. So, so getting it out there is you know, at encouragement and a resource to so many people. So if people want to find you on the internet, um, we're going to link to your book. We want to link to your, you know, your business, but where do people find you? Yeah. My personal brand is over at grantbaldwin.com, grantbaldwin.com. Um, and, and so if anyone's interested in, um, there's not a ton over there, but when people are looking at hiring me as a speaker, that's where we send them. Um, but if you want to learn more about becoming a speaker and just kind of carrying on in our conversation here, um, most of that's going to be over at thespeakerlab.com. Awesome. And are you on social? Like, are you, do you have an Instagram account or something that people can find yeah. you and check out your life? Yep. Yeah. In- Instagram at G Baldwin, uh, and then, uh, Twitter at Grant Baldwin. Um, and so, yeah, Great. uh, hit me up. We're- awesome. Grant, thanks so much for, uh, for your time today. 
I, I, I've been reading this book myself and, you know, I'm a speaker and communicator and there's been some stuff in here that I've never thought through the craft of it before. And so I appreciate it myself and I think it's going to be a great resource to other people. And now, uh, I don't just know you from your Facebook ads, uh, but, but great to, to learn from you more in person today or over the internet. Um, thanks so much. Thanks, Joanne. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Grant for that conversation. Obviously, we had the conversation, uh, you know, before all the world looks like it does today, but so much of that content still applies. There's so much valuable um, insight into how to be a speaker that makes money. If that's your dream, you know, may God bless you as you try and grow your work and grow your skill set in it. Next up, we have on the podcast next week, worship artists Shane and Shane. Do you know them? They're going to be talking about worship and songwriting, creative stuff, life on the road, how to live healthy when you're moving around a lot, how do you stay connected to a community, what does creativity look like in the church today, what is life as a musician in the world of streaming and free downloads look like when you're not making money the way you used to. We're going to talk about all of it with Shane and Shane next week. So if you like Shane and Shane, make sure to uh, pass around this episode and pass around the heads up that the episode is coming. Uh, and we can't wait to get that to you. Next up, we of course have Shane and Shane, but we also want to thank our sponsors and partners of every season, Compassion and Wycliffe. Compassion.ca slash COVID is a way you can get involved in what's going on with COVID-19 all around the world. There's so much need and we would love for you to give even just a little bit to um, support others who are going through this pandemic in a really disastrous way for themselves and their families. And and uh, WycliffeCollege.ca slash WordMadeDigital is a place where you can check out what courses are online. Why did I choose that school? And maybe you just want to grow as a leader. We would love you to check out how to do that with Wycliffe College. Thanks, everyone. We're going to see you on the Digital Church Facebook group. If you haven't joined it yet, we'd love to see you there. And we'll see you next week with Shane and Shane. Thanks for listening to the Word Made Digital podcast with Joanna LaFleur. If you like this content, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode, rate it, and share this episode with your friends. Head over to wordmadedigital.com for more free tools and helpful content for creatives and communicators. We love helping you communicate the best news in the world.